Welcome to Jesus Has Left the Building podcast, where we talk with people leading creative, outside-the-box spiritual endeavors that inspire and engage us. Our vision is to unfold God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And bring into being Ha'alam Haba, the just world to come. You are listening to the Jesus Has Left the Building podcast, where faith leaders, activists, or people who simply want to change the world have left the building too, with Marta, Mandy, and Lily. This season, our focus is on fostering interconnection. We are living in a moment filled with polarization and isolation, but also connection and joy. We will talk with faith leaders across religious traditions about how they are cultivating communities and spiritual practice that brings us into deeper relationship with ourselves, each other, and all of the natural world. What does it mean to build authentic relationships with each other and all living beings? How does religious and spiritual leadership connect with this work? And what is cracking open in this moment that may allow us to deepen together? In this first episode of season six called Make Holy Sparks Fly, we talk about why Lily Benowitz joined our team this season, her in-between time, and how she came to be a relationship weaver and a space builder. What we love most about Lily is her desire to create containers for connection. In this episode, we'll get to know Lily better and be inspired to create containers for connection too. Welcome, Lily. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're super excited to have a third host this season on Jesus Has Left the Building. And Woo-hoo. I know it's exciting. We've never done three hosts before, but um, we think it's going to be awesome. And Lily has connected us with so many great people out there in the world. And as most of you know, I love to connect and be in relationship with people and hear stories. And so when I got to know Lily a little bit and her work in the world and how she was changing the world one little notch at a time, I'm like, oh, I have to, I have to know this person better. I have to get to know them. And so then I, I told Mandy and she was like, yay, let's do this thing. And so this is our next big creative endeavor. And so Lily, tell us a little bit about who you are. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to join you for this season and really honored to have been asked to co-host with you both. Um, My name is Lily Benowitz. I use she and they pronouns, and I'm based on Dakota land um, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I met Marta and Mandy through a recent role I had at the On Being Project, where I was accompanying religious and spiritual leaders in their work of social healing. Um, And a lot of that looked like doing one-on-one conversations, building small group spaces, um, putting together different resources to really nourish folks in the work they were doing in the world. So I really think about my work coming off of that experience as helping folks metabolize the change they want to make. So reflecting on what are values, what are religious or spiritual practices, and then what does it look like to do that in the world um, and to really bring that into an everyday Um, practice for ourselves and with each other. Um, And so I'm in a period of discernment um, in my life right now around what um, kind of how that will be animated in the world. And so um, I am really excited to kind of help work out those questions for myself with Marta and Mandy and with the guests we're going to have this season um, around the theme of fostering interconnection, which is something I care a lot about. Um, So that's a little bit about me. 
Yeah, it was actually pretty awesome. You know, mid pandemic, when Mandy and I were just scrambling to do faith community in this like crazy radical outside the box way. I mean, we were more outside the box and crazy radical than a lot of other faith communities, mm-hmm. but it was hard and exhausting. And to get like an email from you mid pandemic, it was like our neighborhood had just expanded mm. one layer. And, and like, right when I got it, I was like, we have to connect with this person because um, social healing is, was a super cool framework and just having someone who was interested in what we were doing that wasn't in sort of our immediate collegial circles mm-hmm. and was beautiful. And, and so um, I was able to join that group on social healing of faith leaders and clergy from all over the country that Lily and her um, partner in crime had collected And what was so, what I realized, Lily, that was so like beautiful about it was, and I don't think I came to this realization until like a few days after the last session that we Mm -hmm. had together. So for those of you out there, what Lily did was she did some research and she made connections with people and she found faith leaders doing this work. How, How would you explain that work? Like, what was it for you? Yeah, I would like, describe how did you it, find them? Yeah, I would describe it as leaders across faith traditions um, who identified as spiritual leaders um, who were convening community and holding containers for spiritual practice in the service of deepening connection, bringing about more justice in the world, um, and that this falling under this larger frame of social healing. Um, and so it was folks who were trying to bring their religious or spiritual tradition to that work. Um, and my hope in bringing folks together was to create a space of nourishment um, across folks who were doing that type of work, um, to be able to have a peer kind of space um, to learn from each other, to reflect, to, like, to reflect together, um, and ultimately like deepen the work across spaces. Yeah, so some of those faith leaders were doing more traditional faith leader um, ministries and um, justice work, but some of them were doing things that were completely out of the traditional mm-hmm. congregational setting or community faith community setting. Mm-hmm. And so it was really cool to be in that space. But I, I mean, I think a lot of people came in for different reasons mm-hmm. and, and some of them just being in that space was social healing. Um, but for those of you who know me out there, what was so beautiful about it is that I just simply gathering into that space of people doing outrageously awesome creative work, um, but aren't necessarily super famous, right? And um, that was what was so rich and colorful and beautiful about it. And then days after I, you know, I left, we, we had our last session, I was like, oh my gosh, I have the ability to now even deepen that connection with those people all over the country. Mandy wasn't able to join us because, you know, she started this other ridiculous endeavor that is also beautiful and amazing. Um, So she wasn't able to join us for that. But anyway, um, it was, it's great work. And so that's part of the reason why I was like, okay, Lily has to come on and continue 
that conversation with us. And so this season we have asked some of those people to join us for these conversations. So let's see. Um, how, Lily, do you see your spiritual le leadership in the community you are serving? What does that look like at this moment? I know that you're in an in-between time, but what does that look like for you? Yeah, awesome. Um, for me, I think I was saying, as we were preparing, I really want to start with a story because I think it really helps animate a lot of how I think about fostering interconnection and like where my spiritual practice really resides. Um, so I grew up in a progressive Jewish community in the Twin Cities. And I think that from a really young age, there was this really clear connection between being Jewish and mending the world, right? Fostering interconnection, mending brokenness. And I think a lot of what drives me is this kind of image that comes from Jewish mysticism. So I'm going to tell that story. So there's this the story that says when during creation, when, when God was creating the, the universe, um, that God tried to put themselves into a container, like to, to put all that holiness, all that beauty, all of that divinity in a container. And it was just too much. And the container couldn't hold all of that like beauty. Um, and so the container shattered. Um, and with that force is what made creation. Um, and so you can kind of map that a little bit onto the Big Bang, bang if you want to. You can put that into other frameworks. But it's this idea that like this holiness and this divinity was put into everything that exists in the world. And in putting that divinity into everything in the world, it also created fracture because it was created through this shattering um, and through this expulsion into, into everything. And so part of what, I'm called to do or we're called to do is to bring some of that closer together. Um, and that can look like in a relationship that can look like in nature that can look like through social justice. And there's this beautiful image of when you do a good deed or a mitzvah um, that holy sparks fly. So that, mm. that image and that energy, more of that comes into world and is unlocked. Um, and so I oftentimes think about um, what can I do in a given moment that allows for holy sparks to fly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that can attune into a, like a small conversation that could be in an event or in a container or in some type of space that has many people a part of it. And that can be in broader campaign work, that can be in broader social movement, that can be in broader spaces. But I think that it's helpful for me when I'm deciding what to do and like, what is something that could mend some of that brokenness and that can unlock some of those sparks. Um, and so my personal spiritual leadership, um, I think I'm in a moment where I'm really grounding into like what feels meaningful to me. Um, and some of that looks like I'm on the board of my synagogue, which is incredibly nourishing and fulfilling work. Um, and a lot of that is thinking about what is the culture of an organization that can sustain spiritual life. Um, both in terms of creating spaces where people can connect to something bigger than themselves so that we can go out and do the really hard work of change. And what is what are the ways that we do that holding of community that embodies those values in the first place? Um, so that's one piece. Another is I am involved in a lot of community practice through relationships with friends of mine. Um, so kind of this dance between kind of institutional space 
and then lay space or community space. Um, I think also being a queer person myself, a lot of it is thinking about how do we kind of queer Jewish practice. Um, so mm -hmm. it's very fun to kind of play um, in a more creative space of what, how can we be true to kind of the traditions or values or rituals, but really bring them into the present, mm -hmm. ask some questions about what would feel meaningful right now and make something that maybe hasn't existed before, which I think is really aligned with queerness. Um, and then I think I have big questions about what is the intersection with religious and spiritual leadership in my professional life? Do I want it to be something that's really based mm. on um, being a lay leader and being in lay space, or do I want to have that be more part of what I do um, and get a paycheck for? So I think that's a really open question, but I know that when I'm with people who are asking big questions and feeling connected to something bigger than themselves, um, whatever words folks want to use for that, um, that I know it feels really meaningful and deep. Oh, holy sparks fly. Like, I love that. I love that phrase. And actually, you know, you telling that story of creation, obviously super connects to the Christian tradition too. And it's a story that we tell on a regular basis, but the way you told it, I'm actually going to use that. That is, it is literally so beautiful. And the thing is, is about little holy sparks are tiny, right? Like they're not these exactly. big, huge bonfires and they're not like even, you know, um, when, when we are, when we have fireplaces with s'mores, like they're not even that big, um, but the little holy sparks are just making your way like one little connection at a time. And I also love the word container. Um, when I was getting ready to be ordained, we have to have a, like this public examination that um, is very fluid, but uh, scary all at the same time. And one of the things I also used was that idea, and this was six years ago, about maybe seven years ago, about containers is that, that the container is sort of the institution and it's just this like really fluid boundary, but within it, you can do all kinds of super cool creative things, but you're even using it in a more, um, nimble, I think, fluid way of creating these spaces like um, the social healing group where you've gathered us. That was a container in which lots of different things can happen. But I want to go back to um, to this, this story of yours, Lily. Like, I, I think my favorite part of this um, Holy Sparks is that this idea that God tried to put themselves in a container and it didn't work. Like, I think that's so like, I don't know. I think especially with my intense questions about the institution of religion at this particular moment in time. Um, so intense. So intense. Um, like if God can't even stay in the container, like God creates the container, God puts himself in the container and it's still like, oh, this is stupid. I'm getting out of here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's just something super validating in that to me right now. So and when thanks I for sharing just, that story. Yeah. When it's actually just coming to mind now, as we launch into this new season and we have interreligious multi-faith people coming on, you know, the title of this podcast is Jesus has left the building. Um, and I think as we go into this season six, we can even say not just that God has left the building, but the holy and divine has left the building. Mm -hmm. And to just think of 
you know, for Christians, Jesus was holy and divine. And that is, that is the language we have used, but I think it easily equates to God or the holy and divine or the sacred, all of that has basically left the building. Um, And we need to get out there with, with the spirit and Mm. with a capital S and do that work. So Mm. yeah, I just, I want want to connect also to that piece of it. Lily, um, can you, I think you might've already done this a little bit, but is there a specific practice or ritual or tradition that helps you stay in the work Mm. um, and doing this? Is there anything specific that you want to share with everybody? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I, I really love that my ancestors and tradition offer Shabbat as a practice. It's the most holy um, holiday in the entire calendar. And it happens every week, which I think is like says a lot, right? That there's this, this ask for rest and ask for slowing down and that it is rigorous and happens incredibly often. Um, and I think growing up, I had some practice around going to services or having Shabbat dinner on a Friday night. Um, But it really wasn't until I was like out of college and like starting to be in the professional world and especially in pandemic actually, that I really found the boundary of Friday night to Saturday night. It's like a 25 hour period of time as a different kind of time. Mm. Um, And taking that as what does it look like to not do something, do anything that feels like work um, during that time and continue to ask that question that I found that um, I've been able to like sink into that as a restful time. And then I can show up even more fully throughout the rest of the week because I know that that space is coming. And I think for me, that looks like having really intentional time with people that I care about eating wonderful food. Sometimes it involves like dialing down technology or dialing down things that can feel distracting. Um, for example, I don't open my email at all during that period of time. Um, but it really is like, it's a helpful question every week to say, how do I want to have a different kind of time um, and a restful time, knowing that restful time can be very active. It's not necessarily the absence of something, but rather the presence of something that's nourishing. Um, and so I think that having that reminder and that constant question each week of what does it feel like to actually restore um, myself and I feel really grateful that people in my life were at a place where we can navigate, like, make, let's make plans before that happens, because I'm not going to want to coordinate on Saturday, or even around something that's happening later in the week. So Shabbat is something that um, I find really yummy and really wonderful and pretty resistive to kind of the way in which our attention and time is kind of sucked in, in capitalism and in the culture that we exist in, on, in like a dominant frame. Absolutely. You know, it's so beautiful because I, I think, and you might be able to speak more to this, but as I start to really dive into our sacred text, even in the Christian texts that, you know, it's so rooted in, in the Jewish tradition um, and their, and the traditions and rituals that happen within the home. And so the early Christians even still embodied and, and practiced those same sort of at-home rituals. And I think over the centuries, um, Christians have moved significantly away 
from continuing, continually bridging the community practice, like on Sunday mornings with at-home ritual. And, but at the same time, alongside that, there's studies that show that faith is so deepened when you're with your closest, when you're with your family, when you do those rituals in the home. And so I have tried over the years um, to instill, and that's why, you know, on Facebook last week, you saw me doing Monday, Thursday with my kids at home. Um, because even though we weren't doing it in community together, I think that they will remember and know that their parent practiced this faith tradition with them in a different way. And so I really appreciate um, how the Jewish community continues to have those rituals at home with their family. Now, would you say even today that, that people are still bridging the at home with the community practice in, in a, in a real way and, um, significant way? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that what feels like a really important, I guess, like energy or prompt for that for like folks in my community and myself is that because Judaism is such a diasporic tradition that that it's moved from place to place it's evolved based on place um, that oftentimes there is a dance between a community space and the at-home space because sometimes you just have the at-home space um, and so I think because there is kind of this diasporic more nomadic moving of it and evolution mm -hmm. of it um that that dance between well what do you do in your home if your home is the is the place that is constant because so much around you is changing um or because you're moving or um fleeing or whatever it might be i also think that it goes back to and mindy i really appreciated what you brought up about the container changing um and what can the container actually hold is i think that there's a lot of power in saying like that we set a boundary around something so that there can be like a there there, like mm -hmm. so we can make something. Mm -hmm. And I think continuing to ask questions of like, is this edge working? Did we break mm -hmm. it? Like, and, and all of that as it's all an experiment, which I think is what is so beautiful about figuring out how to be together um, and how to practice together and how we practice for ourselves is that like, making, I often have to say like, make, let's make it clear enough to edit, which is a very, not that we have to go into astrology, but a very Virgo thing to say, um, which is deeply who I am. Um, but like being able to say like, let's make a boundary, let's make a thing and like play in that for a while mm -hmm. and then see like, where did the edge break? Where did, could it not hold something? Does it need to be a different shape? Mm -hmm. But that in that con, like, I think when it's clear enough, you can kind of dance with it. And like the ability to release what is no longer serving yourself, a community, a moment, um, I think is really powerful. Um, and sometimes it results in shattering, which I think is like pretty wild and pretty beautiful. It makes holy sparks fly. Exactly. Sure. As opposed to a failure, it's an opportunity. I think. And I think like this moment, this moment, I say this moment that we've been in for the last two years um, of the pandemic, like the way that, you know, as you were talking about the um, Jewish diaspora, like I, I'm in my brain, it's like, that's, that's what we're in right now. That's what we have been in, in these last two years, as we have tried to find this space within our homes or within these like, like miniature communities, you know, these are the people that I might, my, my pod or whatever that I'm with during the pandemic. And then how that changes to coming back to being 
in person with each other in some ways like those connections there as you were talking I'm like oh well that's just like that's what we're doing right now um so that idea and I think you know what Marta and I have really tried to do with varying degrees of success of like making those malleable um boundaries like here's what we're doing right now and it'll probably change in a little bit and like roll with us people right and I just love that we're even just having this story with we're telling the this story with Lily because we have so much to learn from other traditions and so even just you sharing of your practices of faith like <clears throat> can totally inform um even our faith community as Christians I mean it's just so beautiful like I I actually love it I love um the nomadic um idea um of Judaism that's that's actually beautiful and all of us in some ways can latch on to that um, I think in the here and now so let's do um some some rapid response okay you you have like just you just say what's on top of your head I know you actually looked at these questions so you've been thinking about them but for other people which we do other guests they will not have these questions in front of them. Um, so what feels possible to you right now that didn't feel possible before? I think what comes to mind is this piece of a lot of the norms or ways of relating to each other or ways of gathering with each other that I thought we'd just do forever I've been broken. Like they're, they're not, it's, it's so much has shifted that it's not actually possible to go back to those like old formats or wait, old ways of being together because like there's been so much time um, and honestly trauma that's been working on us in the past two years. Um, and so what I've been thinking about is like, it's an up, like we're living in a moment to like re-meet ourselves and each other um, and ask some of those implicit questions um, around like not just preferences, but like, how do you feel full? Like, how can we do that together? What does it look like to make a covenant or commitment to each other in this moment? Um, because I think a lot of the assumptions that were existing pre-pandemic um, have been called into question for many years now. Um, and so getting to decide like, how do we wanna be? What does that mean? Um, I'm, I'm in a moment of trying to lean farther into that question rather than bracing into to finding something that feels fixed or known. Um, so I think leaning into that emergence and figuring out how to re-meet ourselves and each other feels like what's cracking open. So you kind of already said this, but like what feels, um, what felt essential pre-pandemic that no longer feels essential? So something around that gathering, but what else? Yeah, I think this one feels really personal. I think is the way I'll answer it is I, a lot of humans in my life, if they would have met me in like 2018, um, I was planning like months in advance around like getting coffee with someone um, in terms of how busy I was feeling. And that's how I think I oftentimes felt like I was valuable is if I was in a lot of places and knew a lot of people. Um, and I think I realized like what the, the depth of my relationships or the actually like living lives with people, like that wasn't happening in a way that I noticed would be fulfilling for me. And I think some of that's around vulnerability, some around that's around like, how do you let people know you? 
Um, but I think that be going at the pace that I'm going right now, I'm really thinking like a couple weeks ahead at most, um, because I know change is constant. And so I can't really anticipate farther than that. Um, and so I've kind of stopped trying to. <laughs> um, and so I think that kind of living in that, like what's being asked of me right now, what am I like really deeply wanting right now and moving from that place, I think in an intentional way, not, not necessarily an impulsive way, um, but being able to attune at that scale. Um, I think if you would have told me that pre-pandemic, I don't know if I would have been like, I think I would have thought that was really scary. Um, and overwhelming to think in that way. And I think right now I'm like, that's just true. And I don't think I could actually know beyond that, which I feel grateful for, like the growth and the, the space that I've had to kind of attune into moving at that at that pace um, and at that time scale. Interesting the way that that all connects in with, um, you know, our conversation of Shabbat and this, you know, like that has been obviously a really important part of your deepening um, with yourself and with others through the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, everybody, this is Lily, and we are so excited for her to be a part of the Jesus is Less the Building podcast. We are going to be moving forward with some more episodes with um, another person. So Lily was our guest today, but moving forward, she is co-host and um, we will have conversations with some amazing people in the weeks to come. So definitely tune in. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Find us on Facebook at JHLTB and message us to learn how you can be part of this effort to tell stories, have conversations, build relationships, and follow Jesus out of the church and into the world. To support our work, search for Black Forest Community Church on Venmo to make a one-time donation, or become a patron on our Patreon account at patreon.com JHLTB to commit monthly to this project. You'll get regular communications and updates about our stories. We give thanks to Black Forest Community Church and the Tributary Fund of the Rocky Mountain Conference of the United Church of Christ for their ongoing support. We could not do this without all who support Jesus has left the building.